0: park hopping podcast number 45 celebrating 10 years of posting disney stuff on the internet this is another crappy podcast production hi there this is alan of disneyfans.com and this is the park hopping podcast show number 45 the podcast that proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is high-speed internet in iowa Previously on the Park Hopping Podcast, I gave you my impression of the new The Seas with Nemo and Friends attraction at Epcot. Today, we still won't be making use of our Park Hopping passes. Instead, we'll be staying right here to do some more exploring around Future World. But first, some voicemail from the Park Hopping Hotline at 206 2030 227. Hi, Alan. It's Norman from Scotland. Just wanted to say that I really enjoyed the show. I've enjoyed it since it started. And I was very pleased to see the, uh, program last week. It's been a while and I thought you finished. So I was, uh, really pleased. I hope it's gonna be regular. And thanks for all the work you do. Cheers. Oh, how cool. Thanks a lot, Norman. Uh, and I hope you were using some kind of uh, internet telephone program to make that call and didn't have to pay international long distance just to leave me a message. But I'm glad that you did regardless. And since you are the very first international caller to call the Park Hopping Podcast hotline, uh, drop me an email at podcast at disneyfans.com and I'd like to send you something uh, as a way of saying thanks. Now, I have received emails in the past from different places around the world, so that's pretty cool, but this is the first time i've gotten an international phone call so thanks a lot norman uh speaking of emails i did receive a few of those uh since i started posting shows again carolyn writes quote hey there i just noticed a few downloaded park hopping shows and i had to do a double triple take to make sure they were indeed park hopping podcasts can't wait to hear them i'm glad you're back end quote carolyn may decide to change her mind once she actually does hear them and Kelly wrote, quote, Just wanted to say thanks for the new podcast. I like the format you're using of just putting out a single topic podcast. I didn't realize how much I missed your podcast, end quote. Thanks a lot, Kelly. You know, I'm glad that somebody missed them, because I was so busy working on other shows, uh I kind of forgot that I had to do some for the Disney stuff, too. So, uh, Sorry. And lastly, DXWWF3 wrote... It's DXW... okay. Quote, I have really missed the Park Hopping Podcast while it was on hiatus, and I'm glad to hear new shows. Just wanted to send you an email to thank you, and I hope you keep up the good work, end quote. Well, DXWWF3, I can't promise to keep up good work, but I will uh, keep doing this. Again, thanks for everybody who's uh, written in, and apparently they did this even though the email address I've been giving out for who knows how long, podcast at disneyfans.com, that one has been um, not working. It's been broken for months. No wonder it was so quiet around here. And now... Walt Disney World's EPCOT, E-P-C-O-T, the Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow, didn't quite live up to its name when it opened in 1982. Walt Disney, the man, his EPCOT was supposed to be an actual city where people would live, work, and play. It would be a planned community with futuristic transportation systems like the People Mover and the Monorail. Uh, Somewhere else on the Walt Disney World property would be a theme park, and early planning maps that Walt Disney presented simply showed a map of Disneyland placed there. Now, while Disneyland II, the Magic Kingdom, did manage to open in 1971, something using the original name intended for the property, Epcot, didn't open until 1982, 11 years later. And in 1982, Epcot, the theme park, opened with two sections, Future World and World Showcase. World Showcase contains tributes to various countries with shops, restaurants, and, for the first time at a Disney theme park, alcohol. Though in those days, you couldn't actually walk around with a beer or margarita. It wasn't until um, the later 1990s, or mid to late 1990s, that Disney's alcohol license or policy or whatever changed to allow drinks to leave the restaurants. Uh, Most likely, it was in response of Universal Studios allowing the same thing. Uh, But I digress. I guess I'm just a bit sad that I didn't get to have a single adult beverage during my recent whirlwind visit to Epcot, probably because I was in the park less than three hours total over two days, and I had more important things to do, like ride stuff. Anyway, Future World opened with a series of pavilions dedicated to different concepts, such as the land, which focused on food, the universe of energy, which focused on the universe of energy and dinosaurs. Horizons, which focused on uh, the future where people lived in deserts or in space or underwater. Um World of Motion, which focused on the history of transportation from the invention of the will on up. Spaceship Earth, which focused on the history of human communication. And to this day, they still say human communication, I guess, because people riding the Big Globe might be a little disappointed if it was all about how dogs bark or something. Anyway, a few years after opening, um, the Living Seas would be added, focusing on the oceans and imagination. The Imagination Pavilion opened, which focused on imagination and creativity. And the Wonders of Life Pavilion was added, which focused on health and simulated splinter removal. Now, over the years, much has changed at Epcot, including the name itself. E-P-C-O-T, Epcot, the acronym, became Epcot Center, which eventually just became EPCOT. World of Motion gave way to test track and furthered the long-standing tradition of having attractions that served as ride-through commercials for sponsors, similar to If You Had Wings for Eastern Airlines back at uh, the Magic Kingdom in the early 70s. Horizons was replaced by Mission Space a few years ago, which in its own way kind of brought back the spirit of an old Disneyland and Magic Kingdom attraction called Mission to Mars. And, of course, there were various other pavilions that saw re-themings and minor updates. Spaceship Earth um, uh, ousted Walter Cronkite, the original narrator, and brought in the Lion King Scar as narrator. Energy uh, brought in Jeopardy's Alex Trebek, Bill Nye the Science Guy, and Ellen. My point is, things change. Sometimes there's major changes, like rides being torn down and rebuilt, and sometimes it's very minor changes, like they change the narrator or maybe a few scenes at the end. But there's one attraction, the Imagination Pavilion, back in the corner, which has seen a number of changes over the years. The original 3D movie that I saw in one of the early visits to Epcot, which was called Magic Journeys, um, briefly became Captain EO with Michael Jackson, and then that eventually became Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Um, The creative playground next door called Imageworks was closed and rebuilt as a one-level shell of its former self, and the ride next door, Journey into Imagination, operated from 1983 until 1998 when it was closed to reopen as a ride tied to the Imagination Institute featured in the 3D film Next Door. This new version, Journey Into Your Imagination, saw its track reduced in length and everything else completely gutted and replaced. This included the total removal of uh, all the animatronic uh, Dreamfinders and his sidekick, Figment, that little purple dragon thing. So, this new version of Imagination opened in 1999 and only ran until 2001 when it was shut down again, supposedly because guests missed Figment. You can hear a description of version 2 of this ride in the very second episode of Park Hopping Podcast, which was originally posted in September of 2005. But today I'm going to talk about the third version of Imagination, called Journey into Imagination with Figment, which opened in 2002. Now the first thing you'll notice is that the name has been returned to the original Journey into Imagination, dropping the your part. The with Figment was probably added to make it perfectly clear that Disney was bringing back the little purple dragon thing. And the ride itself was very substantially redone with many Figment animatronic figures being pulled out of storage or wherever they were and reinstalled in new scenes. The Dreamfinder, however, is still missing in action, though I did see a guest dressed as Dreamfinder walking through the Magic Kingdom during Mickey's not-so-scary Halloween party. But that's really not important to the story. The very next day, while visiting Epcot for a short hour and a half, I was able to catch this new imagination ride before the park, or at least Future World, closed at 7pm. My first impression walking up to the, villi- to the pavilion itself was kind of how bland the vinyl signs above the entrance were. I mean, this, it really looked like something temporary and cheap. Perhaps Disney was planning ahead. It could be that guests, you know, if they didn't like this version of the ride, then um, maybe it would be cheaper to change the signs. Anyway, entering the attraction was very similar to the farmer's second version. It was the reception area, then there was the hallways of the Imagine- uh, Imagination Institute, Doors that formerly were labeled as specific types of experimental labs now had the names of various Institute members, such as Nigel Channing, the Eric Idle character from the 3D Honey, I Shrunk the Audience movie. Uh, Professor Brainerd, which was the Robin William character in the Flubber remake of The Absent-Minded Professor a few years ago. Um, There were just small changes. And the pre-show video, um, the projections above the line that uh, hang through the hallway now go into an idle loop where an animated figment pops up on the screen very, very often. See, immediately I knew that there was much more figment to find in this version. Uh, The ride boarding area has had a few cosmetic changes, but the ride itself was still quite different from the second version. When, uh, well, Journey Into Your Imagination used the concept of scanning your brain for imagination, finding nothing, then sending you through experiments in sight, sound, and mind. Sounds like Twilight Zone. Um, then it rescans you at the end. Well, this new version brings Nigel Channing in to the original video segments, and he welcomes you to a ride-through open house for the Institute. This kind of ties the ride in a lot closer to the 3D movie next door, and although, you know, I kind of think I did prefer the concept of scanning for imagination. Figment makes an early appearance and interrupts the tour. Then, of course, things go terribly wrong as the guests are taken through various experiments, um, similar to the second version. There's a sound room where you hear the train in total darkness, but now Figment pops up. There's the smell room, um, similar to the previous version, and uh, many of the props and effects remain elsewhere in the ride. But a few things are gone. Gone is the Haunted Mansion magnifying glass tribute, which I liked. Uh, a few of the props no longer mentioned in the narration, like the butterfly in the cage optical illusion. Well, it's easy to miss now, because it, if, you don't, if you're not looking up there, there's no reason to be paying attention to it. They don't point it out. And the upside-down house is now brightly colored as Figment's house. And um, I think they actually removed the upside-down flushing toilet, though I could be wrong about that one. I admit I'm not real big into looking for toilets above me in rides. Anyway, the the new version certainly adds Figment back to the ride, and he uh, he disrupts all the experiments. There's an eye chart that gets scrambled, and a slot machine-style smell generator that lands on Skunk, thanks to Figment. And after Channing expresses fears of sending guests into the touch-and-fill experiment, then, of course, Figment causes a detour into his upside-down house. The final scene has the scanner replaced with another video screen, which retains the disappearing effect... Um, but instead of tons of imagination thoughts floating around, now the room is filled with non-animatronic figment characters th- singing the theme song in chorus. So it's probably worth mentioning that the new version of... well, that there is a new version of One Little Spark, the original theme song. It's it's back, and it has some different lyrics, and you hear versions of it throughout the ride now, so that's kind of nice. And lastly, the, the vehicles move into a red starlight room at the very end, which then fades into the unload area though not quite as impressive as the uh, second version when it had first opened when the final scene transition was in near total darkness. So the effect of a room appearing uh, where the star field was, it used to be a lot more impressive. They had um, things along the bottom of the door to keep the light out and stuff. So it, it blew me away the first time I saw it. But now, it you know, you can pretty much see the room when you pull in. So the question is, is the third time the charm for this ride? Honestly, to me, like most Epcot old-timers, I still miss the original version of the ride with all the Dreamfinder characters. That version was a classic and uh, a lengthy animatronic dark ride. And by classic, I mean this is the things that Disney became famous doing, not, oh, it's classic because it was here when I first went. Of course, it opened with the park, so I guess it's a classic there. Version 2 removed all the animatronics completely and, uh, well, you know, including the title character except for a video appearance of Figment. And version 3 is sort of a middle ground. It returns the theme song and Figment, but retains some of the elements of the, hey, let's make this ride tie into the 3D movie concept, which, uh, well, which does make the pavilion more consistent at least. I still wish a few scenes from the second version had been kept since I found them quite effective, but it doesn't seem they managed to remove all the scenes in the second version that I didn't like. I rather I should say, uh, well, I guess if you know what I'm trying to say, they got rid of some scenes I liked and they kept some of the scenes I didn't like. I uh, I didn't actually hate the second version. It was, uh, it was near enough for what it was, and if there hadn't been such an amazing attraction that it replaced, I expect it would have been more popular. In fact... If Disney had kept version two for ten years, there might be a whole new generation growing up only knowing that version who'd always considered a classic that shouldn't be touched, much like many of us consider the original. But as things stand today, the current Imagination Pavilion is just a fraction of the pavilion the original was. But had they kept everything as it was without any updates, I'm sure all the image work image works displays and the ride effects, you know, that were really impressive in the early nineteen eighties. They'd look very primitive to modern audiences. And, of course, that makes me think it uh, would have been better and far cheaper just for Disney to update the technology and the displays rather than redo the entire ride, especially since they have now redone the ride twice. But, you know, hindsight is 2020. and if they would have just updated it, they couldn't have got a major push by saying it was a brand new ride. And uh, if rumor sites are to be believed, we may actually get a chance to see one more magic change to this pavilion. They, whoever they are, say that Pixar's John Lasseter, who is now in a high role of Imagineering getting to approve projects, well, they say he'd like to see the original pavilion designer Tony Baxter rework the attraction. So who knows, maybe one day we'll get to see an all-new big-budget updated Journey into Imagination, and maybe the Dreamfinder will return to inspire creative thoughts and a whole new generation of guests. It's certainly something fun to imagine. So, the next time you're there, be sure to take an extra picture, shoot some extra video, because you really never know when something you like, love, or hate is going to go away and never be around again. Or get changed, and get changed, and get changed. And on that note, I think that'll do it for me this time, so be sure to visit DisneyFans.com, where you can browse around 35,000 digital pictures I've taken at Disneyland, Disney World, and other theme parks across the country, as well as dozens of downloadable video files from the Disney parks. If you want to talk about some of your favorite Disney Podcasts, but not the Park Hopping Podcast, uh, be sure to drop by the Disney Podcast Network at DisneyPodcastNet.com and sign up for their message board. Park Hopping Podcast is no longer a member of the DPN. However, it's still a great place for those of you who like to hang out at message boards and um, talk to various podcasters. If you want to talk to me, well, feel free to drop me a note directly. I always prefer email. My email address is podcast at disneyfans.com when it's working. And if you'd rather use the telephone, you can dial 206-2030-ACP. That's another crappy podcast. Again, the number is 206-2030-227. And leave me a voicemail, just like Norman from Scotland did. This has been the Par Hopping Podcast, show number 45, Journey into Your Imagination, version 3. Thanks for listening. Again. Another crappy podcast production be sure to visit anothercrappypodcast.com to learn more about this and other equally exciting... hmm, ...podcasts. Hmm. Ah, what the heck. Let's just play that One Little Spark remix again. To the end, but I promise you, if you skip it, you're not going to miss anything interesting.